Well, are y'all ready to worship Baal? I hope not. Because we're going to see bad things happen to people when they do, when they're God's people. We're going to learn in Numbers 31 that what happens here is actually actually occurs because of the advice, the counsel that Balaam gave to Balach, the Moabite king. Balaam, he was a, a wicked prophet. We studied about him in a couple of chapters. Just in the last verse of the previous chapter, Numbers 24, it said that uh, Balaam went to his own place. He went home or wherever it was he was hanging out. That doesn't mean that his work has, has been completed. He obviously still has his eyes on what he considered the prize, all of that reward and and the esteem promised to him by the king and by the elite noblemen of the land. So we see, we will see when we get there, but just to reveal it because it's, it's uh, pertinent for the lesson tonight in Numbers 25. In Numbers 31, we see that what Balaam has done is, since he couldn't work a curse through the demons, he would advise and counsel the king on how the people could just curse themselves. In Numbers 31, we're told that what he did was he advised the Moabite king to introduce Moabite women to the men and young men, I guess, to the Moabite, to the Israelite women. And the Midianites would join in this, this feast to honor Baal. They are so close to Canaan. The only thing that's keeping them out, really, in my view at this point, is the completion of the death of the generation who left Exodus. They're under God's judgment from age 20 and above. And the only two who will enter, of course, are Joshua and Caleb. And in a couple or so chapters, we'll, we'll see the death of Moses. And he's about the last one of that generation. Joshua will be appointed the leader and then they'll cross over. So they're so close to the land of Canaan. Most of that older generation are gone. The rest of them have to die before the people cross the Jordan and go into Canaan. So they're kind of hanging out at a place called Shittim. And the Moabites 
along with some representatives of the Midianites come and uh, they're very beautiful people, very energetic people, I'm sure. And they invite the Israelites to come and join them in a feast to honor Baal. It's an issue that really even the church would have to deal, does have to deal with today. How far do I go in my friendliness with the world? It's, it, some people are afraid of losing their jobs. Um, some people are afraid of losing friendships and, and, and status and, and so forth. Today, in the, in the church, people in, in the church. Here comes a group of people inviting the Israelites to join them. It's going to be a happy time. A good time will be had by all. Well, by this time, the Israelites would have heard about the so-called worship experience that the Canaanites engage in regarding Baal worship. Baal, as you remember, was the god of fertility. Now that means that uh, that meant that if you were going to have a good crop, if you're going to be a happy nation and have lots of bouncing babies on your knees and all this kind of thing, you had to have the favor of Baal. This was, this was their worship. And so they, in their worship, would aggrandize the uh, uh, sexual behavior of any and every kind, very sensual. Now, Moabites and some Midianites have come to the Israelites. The counsel to the Moabite king was this, I can't curse them. Hell is locked up when it comes to Israel. But I can tell you how they can bring a curse upon themselves and you can mess them up. So this is where we come to then in Numbers chapter 25. The Baal worship up pure. Israel said it in Shittim and the people begin to commit harlotry with the daughters of the Moabites. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods and the people ate and prostrated themselves to their gods. You know, you have to ask, what is with these people? How is it they can do this? Now they join, and now this is the first time in the Bible where active Baal worship is recorded regarding Israel. But it won't be the last. And every time they engage in this kind of thing, it brings a terrible judgment from God upon, upon the nation. So they're invited to these sacrifices and they join in. They think, well, you know, it's not going to hurt if we sort of go along with what they don't want to hurt their feelings. Uh, well, you know, child of God, there's just some things you can't do. 
A lot of things can't do. And for the Israelites, one of many of those things was to worship false gods, to bow down to a graven image, to have another God before Yahweh. And they're breaking commandments left and right here as they join in, as a large group of them joins in with the Moabites, where we're going to see the media, we're going to see later on that the Midianites are also part of it. Israel became attached to Baal of Peor and the anger of Yahweh flared against Israel. Now what that means is they were enjoying this. The Israelites were having a good time. Hey, this is the way you do it. We're over there killing bulls and lambs and, and setting things on fire and dressing up men to look over us and oversee us in the tabernacle. But these people are having a party and they are doing it in the name of their God. So Israel became attached to Baal of pure. Yahweh is angry. Yahweh said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang them before Yahweh facing the sun and then the flaring anger of Yahweh will be removed from Israel. Those who are leading in this activity, kill them, hang them and satisfy my wrath. Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you shall kill the men who became attached to Baal of Pure? So the, the judges, they, they send out their deputies and they round them up. They hang them. Now here's the scenario that develops from that with regard to Phineas, who is the grandson of Aaron, the high priest. Then an Israelite man came and brought the Midianite woman to his brethren. Now, we're going to see in a couple of verses, but I'll go ahead and tell you, this Israelite man is a prince of Israel. He's a son of a nobleman of Israel. He's a, one of the captain, one of the leading chieftains of a tribe. So he's an important young man. And the woman, as well, is a national leader She's the daughter uh, of leadership, and she is seen as a very important leader uh, among the Midianites. So you have these two elitist people. The prince that comes out of a certain tribe, I think Simeon, out of a certain tribe, and this princess who comes out of the Midianite nation, well, they hook up with one another. He brings the woman right, right in front of his Israelite brethren and right, right across the eyes of Moses before the eyes of the entire congregation of the sons of Israel while the Israelites were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. They're dealing with their sin and they're dealing with how so many people had to be hanged uh, in their presence and how the judgment of God has once again 
come upon them. So while all of those people are weeping and carrying on in a time of remorse and sorrow, this guy goes hopping and skipping along, holding hands with a Midianite princess, a, 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 a beauty pageant girl. You know what I'm talking about. And they're headed for a good time. Right in front of everybody. Here it is. In front of his brethren. Moses saw it. The whole congregation saw them skipping and hopping over to go into their chamber. All right. So then Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, he's the priest. He saw it. He arose from the congregation, took a spear in his hand. And he went after the Israelite man into the chamber and drove it through both of them, the Israelite man and the woman, through her stomach. And the plague ceased from the sons of Israel. <laughs> so they were precariously positioned with one another. And Phineas, the priest, made a shish kebab out of them. With a spear. Those that died in the plague numbered 24,000. Now, there probably were a great many of that older generation. This is probably another way where that generation that came out of Egypt is being thinned out practically down to where there are hardly any of them left. But the, but, but the point is that of the, of the number of Israelites, 24,000 of them died of the plague that God sent to the land. And the prince of the sons of Israel who thought he could flaunt his sin in front of the whole congregation and in front of Moses was severely dealt with by the high priest, put a spear <laughs> just right through both of them. I like that. That's good. You ever been gigging for flounders? I don't know why this comes to my mind. But you go out in shallow water and you have this trident. You know, this thing looks like the devil's spear, you know. You find it where they fluffed up a little mud. And you see the mound. They think they're hiding from dumb things. And while they're asleep, you have headlights in the, it's at night, and you have headlights in the water. You take that spear. And you go into their back, and they don't like it. They have teeth. Those things have teeth. They'll snap and carry on. I guess I would too. And I think of gigging for flounders when I think of this story. This man and this woman <laughs> in one fell swoop with the spear went through the Israelite man and went through her stomach. Now, I don't know why they didn't identify the, I don't know. Anyway, the plague numbered 24,000. It is a serious matter for the people of God to believe that we can leave the lofty place of sanctification and play footsie with the world. We just can't do it. 
There are things we cannot do, places we cannot go. We are forbidden. Otherwise, we'll look like the world and the separation is lost, the message is lost, and the people of God look pathetic, such as they did here. But God judged them. 24,000 died. Now that's against, uh, that's against a census of 600,000 or so men, which would be about two and a half million people altogether. Although the population, when we get to this second census in a chapter or two, we will see that the population has actually dwindled since the time they left Egypt. It's not as many as it was when they took the original uh, census. What sin has done to them. Those that died in the plague numbered 24,000. Phineas was rewarded for what he did. Here is the account. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest has turned my anger away from the sons of Israel by his zealously avenging me among them so that I didn't have to destroy the sons of Israel because of my zeal. The word zeal comes from a word jealousy. My zealous, my jealousy, my zeal. God would have, look at this, would have destroyed the sons of Israel. So it is acknowledged because of what Yahweh says to Moses about what Phinehas did, he is recognized as someone whose righteous act saved Israel in a sense. And so Yahweh speaks in Phinehas' favor to uh, to, to Moses and then through Moses to the rest of, of Israel. Phineas did a good thing. I, well, let me go on and I'll make a comment about it. Therefore say, I hereby give him my covenant of peace. It shall be for him and for his descendants after him as an eternal covenant of priesthood because he was zealous for his God and atoned for the son's of Israel, The name of the Israelite man who was killed, who was slain with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, the chieftain of the Simeonite paternal house. Important guy. And the name of the Midianite woman who was slain was Cosby, the daughter of Zur, a national leader of a paternal house in Midian. So they were well-to-do, I'm sure well-dressed, and somehow introduced to one another. And in total disregard, the man, with total disregard of his sanctification as an Israelite before Yahweh. And so they're named here. Now, there's a warning given to the Midianites here. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Harass or distress the Midianites and you shall smite them. You shall go in and just kill them. Go in with war and smite them. Now let me say, here's what I want to say. 
Well, let me go. For they distress you, they harass you with their plots, which they contrived against you in the incident of Peor and in the incident of Cosby, their sister, the daughter of the Midianite chieftain, who was slain on the day of the plague that had come because of Peor. Yahweh moves in behalf of his people. And in doing so, strengthens his people, Israel, and gives them direction and blessing to wipe out the Midianites. Now, some people don't have a stomach for that. It doesn't bother me at all. Here's why. They would, you see that word distress, it means harass. Or they will be after you and contrive against you from now on. The best thing we can do is wipe them out so that we don't have to deal with this anymore. I understand that. I really do. Now, a lot of, a lot of folks look back on the Old Testament and they claim that the Old Testament God is not the God of the New Testament, you know. They, they become a little lily-livered when it comes to dealing with the reality of sin the Canaanite, sin, the, the sinful culture of the, of the Canaanites, deeply entrenched in their hearts and everyday living, centered upon the worship of a fertility god, a cult, a fertility cult. It would do nothing but destroy the people of God. This kind of thing, in his omniscience, God saw this. This kind of thing was never going to be weeded out from the lives of these Canaanites. They had to be dealt with. And so it is when Joshua goes over and marches through all of those various nations and, and uh, kingdom states that existed in the land of Canaan. Because they were warned in the book of Leviticus that the Canaanites did horrible things that Israel really had never experienced. They'd never seen such awful defilement as they would see among the Canaanites, even as part of their worship. Now, my guess is as part of worship, they made it into a beautiful and wonderful thing. But it was dark and and wrong and sinful. And Yahweh knows that this kind of thing will distress and harass and contrive against them for the rest of their existence. The best thing to do is to remove that cancerous culture out of the way completely. Now, when that happens, you see, as Israel remarks through, and even into the time of, of Israel's existence as a nation, the other nations would recognize the holiness and the mightiness and the power of the God of Israel, Yahweh, the God of all gods. And therefore, they would be very careful. They would tremble before him, especially when his people maintained their separation and their holiness in the world. So they were given the green light to smite 
the Midianites because God knew in that day, in that world, what was best for the development of his people. The bottom line is that the world is headed for a savior who will redeem his own and bring them into his kingdom, which will be an everlasting kingdom, finally in a new heaven and a new earth, and God will not permit anything in any age to keep that from happening. This is the will and the purpose of God. And one of those things along the way was for Israel to smite Midian. Well, not just that, but also for the Israelites who purposefully and openly sinned in the way that they did against Yahweh, even though they had the commandments, the law, they had had the experiences of God's punishment previously when they disobeyed him and broke his law and still openly sinned against him. And God dealt with them harshly. And they were cleansed uh, because of it. Well, we'll stop there and have our prayer and we'll be through for the night. Father God in heaven, Lord, we are in awe before you. We tremble and yet we rejoice because of who you are and because of what you're making us to be in Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh God, teach us the lesson of the importance of separation in this world that we who are in Christ must show to the world that we are indeed Christians. And therefore we are different from the world. Help us, Lord, and give us strength in this journey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.